Welcome to the Bin Min Podcast. We know that the Christian life can be hard to figure out, but we believe that everyone should know their next steps to making their spiritual life more important to them. I'm Dad. I'm Bob. I'm Dave. In my life, I have been blessed to be inspired by loved ones, to have seen an inspiring array of scenery, to be inspired by music, literature, uh, even movies. And if I'm perfectly honest, this ministry um, was inspired by my two sons and their belief in me. But oh, when it shucks. comes to the Bible, <laughs> the Bible is also inspired, but it's a different kind of inspiration. And so we're going to talk about that today as we complete our eight-part series of putting the fun in dot, 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 which was our attempt at enjoying or putting some fun into the fundamentals or the essentials of the Christian faith. So let's go ahead and kick it off with how do we define inspiration of the Bible? Dave, you want to take it for us? Sure. So inspiration, not meaning how exhilarated Pops is and how motivated <laughs> by his 403 listening of a Pentatonix album, nice, um, yeah. but, but instead... Um, <laughs> and the the Bible might do that. Like you, yeah, you it, can read the Word and be inspired it's, by it's it. It's inspiring. It is inspiring. It is n naturally inspiring. But what we mean is a Second Timothy three sixteen type, where Paul writes that all Scripture is breathed out by God. That type of inspiration that God fundamentally breathed out hmm. through the um, vehicle of His Holy Spirit to the human authors when writing the Bible. Nice. That's great. Good summary. Yeah, that's a nice summary. But how does that happen? <laughs> yeah, well, um, the short answer is like, inspiration is largely a mystery, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I've never been inspired to write a sacred text, so I don't know personally how to tell you the details of how that works. But we do know a few things, mm -hmm. right? So like <clears throat> um, at the appropriate time, uh, the Holy Spirit, I'm trying to think of helpful words to use here, like superintended or carried along what each author wrote, like Paul or Moses or Peter, or the Apostle John, right? The authors of the different books and passages of scripture. Maybe an example of this could be something like a sailboat. It's, <laughs> it's driven by the wind. Um, and so they were kind of uh, brought along in the process of writing. Now, of course, God still uses each one of the authors uniquely in the sense of their own voice, mm -hmm. their own style. Mm -hmm. And frankly, that diversity is like one of the most beautiful things about the Bible. Um, but just as a note, even as I talk about like that sailboat analogy and what that means, I do want to make the point that like it's the words themselves mm -hmm. that are inspired. <clears throat> Um, it's not just like a permanent inspiration of the authors because that would mean that Paul's grocery list was inspired, <laughs> right? You know, like maybe he was buying hummus back then. I don't really know. I love hummus, but so, and pita bread and... Uh, everyone wants what, me to eat more hummus and pita. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm trying to think of like what he would have put on a grocery list. Um, but it doesn't mean that his grocery list is just inspired as the book of Romans. God was doing something special in that time and moment in the life of Paul to inspire the particular words that were recorded down. So each book of the Bible has two authors, right, in, in that sense. It's ultimately God as the author, but the second is the human author who either penned or dictated or whatever the words that are in Scripture. Yeah, and I, I really love the phrase that you use, carried along, because that comes out directly from uh, 2 Peter 
121. Mm. Um, so that kind of helps give a definition and that sort of helps us understand a little bit more of how it happened. Is there any proof that yeah. the Bible is truly inspired of God? Oh, that's an appropriate that's, question. That's yeah. the right next question, you know, if we're going to be talking. Um, so yes, first one that comes to mind is even looking back um, to many, many, many of the Old Testament authors mm -hmm. mm. that testify and confirm its inspiration. And there are hundreds of these that we could cite through Genesis, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, a ton of, mm. of, of Old Testament books where they'll say, um, they'll write, says the Lord. They'll write, God said. They'll write, the word of the Lord came. Mm. Da, 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 to someone or in a certain way. Mm. And then fast forward to the New Testament, I'm thinking specifically of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, when Christ basically points back and confirms the inspiration of the Old Testament as being the very, and I quote, word that comes from the mouth of God. That's mm. so great. So mm. it's cool <coughs> to, anyway, yeah. Yeah, that's great. It's good. Well, perfect. let me expand on that too. So let me kind of take the ball from that because Dave, those are those really helpful summary of like, so what about the Old Testament? Also, we have a New Testament. So what about that? So these inspiration claims are there too, right? We, we even have Christ, Jesus's personal promise to his apostles that the Holy Spirit is going to be sent to guide them in truth, which includes them writing the New Testament mm -hmm. books, right? So in John 14, when he says the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the mm -hmm. Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things mm -hmm. and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And one, one dynamic of that is them speaking God's words in that way. But I actually also love that um, the apostles even referred to each other's writings as scripture. Yes. So um, to me, one of the most helpful verses on this, and I, it's just one of those like, I didn't know it was there yeah. until I knew it was there. Sure. So so like, and someone pointing this out, Dad, I think it was you pointed this out to me. Um, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, obviously Peter, right, is writing First and Second Peter. And he, but in this, he's talking about the Apostle Paul, right. which is, we know, Apostle Paul wrote Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, wrote a whole bunch of letters in the New Testament. He's talking about Paul's writings, <laughs> and it cracks me up what Peter says about Paul's writings. He says something funny, and then he says something really powerful. He says, our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, as he does in all his letters, um, there are some things in them that are hard to understand. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, all right, if Peter even thought Paul was kind of hard to understand, like, yeah. that's great. Um, which the ignorant and the unstable, they twist to their own destruction, right? And, and even mm. today, people will twist scripture inappropriately. Mm. But he, and then he adds this phrase, as they do the other scriptures. Yes. Whoa. Yes. Mm. So if there's other scriptures, then Peter's saying, well, Paul's words in these letters are also scriptures. Yes. Scriptures being inspired of God words. So, and then there's other, there's other references, like in 1 Timothy 5.18, um, Paul, he quotes both from Luke and Deuteronomy. And um, these claims are being made in the New Testament that like, hey, this thing, these, these books, these are scripture. These are inspired, particularly what we're talking about today, inspired by God. So the summary is, yeah, both the Old Testament and the New Testament clearly claim to be inspired by God, not just another book, but are, as like Romans 3, 2 says, are the spoken words of God. So when, when scripture speaks, God speaks. That's really great. There's another phrase that comes up when we're talking about inspiration, and that is the Bible's unity. And that's actually something that I'd say maybe within the last five to 10 years, I've actually begun to appreciate more and more 
do either well, one. And the unity, I think, points to inspiration. Exactly, forgive me. Right. Yeah, yeah. and that's a, 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 as a clue, as a proof, as it were. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because, okay, so for anyone listening or watching who don't understand what we're alluding to, we are saying that another tenet proving the unity, or proving the inspiration of Scripture is its unity. Why is that important? If you listen to other episodes, we kind of deliver the same reminder. We're talking um, that there are 66 books, 39 Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, written over 1,500 years. We're talking three different continents, three different languages, over 40 authors. Mm. And we're talking, once again, this incredibly wide spectrum socioeconomically. Yeah. <laughs> so the likelihood of that to happen, I mean, it is a rarity. Can you point to another religious text that has that level of diversity and continuity and unity? You cannot. Yeah, because it's not just the diversity that's important. No, but the continuity. We're right. talking 1,500 right. years where, once again, you know, you, you look at it and you're recognizing that the, well, I, I might say that the overarching like sort of sort of narrative of scripture's sort of... Um, humankind's problems in sin with the only solution being the salvation provided through Christ. So you've got the Old Testament, which, you know, serves to lay the foundation and stage pointing toward Christ and the need for a savior. Yeah. And then the New Testament is the revelation of him, his work, death, burial, and resurrection, and, and then the aftermath. Mm. But I don't think you can engage scripture without recognizing the unbelievable impossibility that it would take for 15 we're talking 1500 years multiple languages multiple authors like sit in that for a second and recognize that over the past however many thousand years with as many textual or like text critics there are if there were inconsistencies and disunities those would be brought with a megaphone onto the world stage saying the bible is not one but that hasn't happened so anyway that's, That's just great. something that kind of gets yeah. me wrapped up because it's so cool. Yeah. yeah. What unity there is when you read all all of it. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you actually said that explicitly because as I was sharing initially as we introduced this, I just took that for granted. Sure. You know, I've just always taken that for granted until it became explicit to me. Yeah. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. The Old Testament, I think you said, sets the foundation. Yep. And then, it, and then in the New Testament, we see what it's all been pointing to, Jesus is, Christ. Um, me being a nerd real quick, but there's two, these two books that I have on my shelf that I've really enjoyed looking at recently. One talks about the Old Testament, one talks about the New Testament, and the subtitle for them is um, Promises Made for the Old Testament and then Promises Kept. Oh, that's so great. For the New Testament. Mm, that's such a like, great way. And the marker, what we're pointing to here is the who provided this unity with all mm. these books? God, only a sovereign God could have possibly provided this to create and show the message that he wanted people to know of salvation through his son who keeps all the promises he made. You know, and that's such a, and and when you talk about a sovereign God, that almost immediately brings to mind, as I think again about the Old Testament, Mm What about all of those fulfilled prophecies? That interrelation. The, oh my uh-huh. gosh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I really want to talk about that because to me, <clears throat> to me, this is, um, this is one of the most personally moving um, things that shows, man, scripture's got to be from God. It's got to be inspired, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I mean, even and plus, if you're if you're like an accountant or you're into statistics or something like that, like you will also love this. I'm not either of those things, but you'll love this no, too. But I know. 
You. But I know you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you, dear beloved. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like numbers? You punch them in your off time. Listen to... Hold on to your seat. It's about to get statistical. a calculator right now. Okay, so the Old Testament makes over a thousand prophecies, particularly about the Messiah, Jesus, the one who's to come, and his church. Um... And it includes more than just, um, more than 300 just about Jesus, right? So there's yeah. over a thousand that talk about like Jesus and the coming kingdom mm-hmm. and his coming church and all that. But then there's more than 300 just about Jesus, all that have come true. Um, so the possibility that these prophecies could have occurred by chance is like beyond the most remote statistical probability. Um, I'm going to give you, we can probably put some of the references to this um, for those of you guys who kind of see the research in this in the show notes or something like that. But um, according to some authors who've kind of done the math on this, the probability of fulfilling just eight of the more than a thousand prophecies or more than a hundred prophecies about Jesus is um, one times 10 to the 17th power, right? Which that doesn't necessarily mean anything to me in my my brain of knowing that math. But imagine covering the entire state of Texas, like two feet deep with silver dollars, which dad, you're probably familiar with because they probably invented those when you were born. <laughs> yep. Um, or after. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, when he was born, there were no currencies. Yeah, I think it was just like, st- like stones <laughs> and pelts. They exchanged a lot of goats. Um, okay, so it's giant state of Texas, two feet deep, silver dollars, and one is marked with an axe. This is the same statistic that you're going to go in Texas and on your first try, pick the silver dollar that has an X on it. There's no way that's going to happen. And that's the likelihood that Jesus would just fulfill eight of the prophecies when he has fulfilled all of these prophecies. Mm. So the only way, and there's some really great books that go into more detail than that, but the only way possible that Jesus's birth and genealogy and parents and life and death and what has happened could have all come true from prophecies that were made like 500 years before he was ever born Mm. was the fact that God was behind it. God Mm. inspired Isaiah. God inspired Jeremiah etc 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 so um yeah I've and gotta... it's not like the same authors wrote both pieces right need we remind our listeners it's right. like it'd be one thing i mean not that they could have over yeah years and i just love that the gospel writers point that out like yeah. they're, they're quick to point out like like the gospel of matthew like hey by the way this happened with jesus really historically and uh it shows that this prophecy was fulfilled in him mm. so yeah that's yeah. awesome and just one other nerd comment yes bring it okay so you were talking about statistics. Yeah. Another statistic, if Jesus had only fulfilled 43... Of the 300? Of the 300, the statistical possibility is 1 times 10 with 157 zeros after it. That, so statisticians will tell you 1 times 10 to the 50th power, 50 zeros after it, is statistically impossible. That's the definition of impossible. I've heard that one before. <clears throat> so one times ten. So one times ten with fifty zeros after it is the cutoff, the threshold for what is statistically Im- impossible, impossible to happen. Well, uh, yeah. And again, there, there will be always a skeptic or a cynic that will say, "Well, that's just what a mathematician will say." You know, some things can happen. Yeah, yeah. But think about a hundred and fifty-seven zeros after that. That, that that number is inconceivable, but that's only for forty-three. I can't even count to one hundred and fifty-seven. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But my point with, is, even with using my toes, that, that is so far beyond any possible way that 
Jesus could have fulfilled those prophecies. Yeah. Anyway, and that because, was less than a sixth of the number that he actually. Yeah, fulfilled. and the reason I the reason I even brought up that number is because Bob, you used as your example one right. times ten to the seventeenth. The reason and I, I know this is stuff that you've like you've read some really great books on and researched. Yeah, it. and yeah. It, it just it's powerful. It, yeah, it is. It's just so powerful. But again, I want to kind of again land this plane and bring us down to the question we always ask at the end of our podcasts, and that is the practical question, the so what question. Mm -hmm. And so how does the inspiration of scripture have an impact on me today, mm -hmm. on my life? Well, I mean, it, it, it makes you think, okay, if I can trust that the word is not what we just claim it to be, what the authors claim it to be, but, but what it claims to be as well, then we truly have an errorless, true... Um, foundation upon which our faith can be built. And so I'm just thinking like, okay, personally, this week as I go about my life, I know what I have as a resource to turn to yeah. to sort of help me interpret, deal with the rest of stuff happening in life. Yeah. And that's like a, that's a massive encouragement, right? I mean, I don't know if this is a perfect example, but like you could go to your friend and get advice or wisdom about something in, you know happening at work or your relationships or whatever. Mm -hmm. That... Maybe if it's if I'm going to Bob, then I know it's always carefree. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, oh boy. Other friend, yeah. Then it's not holy. Yeah. Might be it. helpful. Might be good. Or sure. actually, might be kind of shoddy. But mm -hmm. like, you know. But, but it's it, not going to be the same. It, is there a place I can go and get tips and guidance and wisdom mm -hmm. for my life mm -hmm. that's not going to fail me? So this is one of those episodes I think is so helpful as an underpinning to be like, okay, we've talked about other things like you know, biblical devotional reading and how mm -hmm. we engage and how we pray. This is one of those underpinnings that you can listen to or watch and engage and realize this thing is trustworthy. Yes. And if this thing is trustworthy and it doesn't take a dunce in faith, just someone's like, oh, well, you know, I assume it is. It's like, no, there are amazing, concrete, historically verifiable proofs that we can trust this thing. Um, mm. So anyway, once again, something that gives me revved up, but this week maybe the challenge I'd offer our listeners or viewers is um, turn to the word you know, trusting in its inspiration and utilize it as that type of resource, knowing that it can be um, the guy that you need it to be. It is God breathed. Mm. It's treated, treated as if he is speaking to you. Thank mm. you. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Bob. And thank you for joining us on this episode of the Ben Man Podcast, where we believe everyone should know their next step for making their spiritual life more important to them. Ben Men is a resource ministry meant to help you discover those next steps. Yeah, so please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel here if you're watching or uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcast to the Binman Podcast uh, and be sure to follow us on socials. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We'll look forward to next time. Thanks and God bless.